Good morning or good afternoon. Happy Monday, whatever. Hey, glad you can make it on with us. Um, if you're on, please say hello. Uh, you know, drop drop some comments. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, we love to hear from you. If you are uh, catching up later or listening on the podcast, please um, give us some thoughts. Let us know. Let us know what you're thinking about. All right. Typically, I would be doing something uh, a little different on Mondays, but uh, we had our Warrior Worship Sunday yesterday, and so uh, we just were, were focused on lifting Jesus high. And so today uh, we are going to be continuing uh, our foundation series, uh, looking at the seven spirits of God, um, focusing this week on the spirit of counsel, which is paired with the spirit of might. Uh, when we look at Isaiah 11.2. Uh, so before we get there, let's let's do our recap. Love doing the recap because it uh, gives us a, a look back into where we are at. If we're calling this foundations, again, we have to be uh, cementing these things uh, into the foundation. And, and that requires looking at them often and repeating them over and over again until... Uh, they aren't just sticky. They are are formed into a solid foundation that we hold. So we started this series with uh, the topic of cornerstone, looking at Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, who is the starting place for everything. Uh, he's the one who has placed the everlasting kingdom in your hands. Then we looked at uh, camp life. Hey, Lisa, glad you could make it on. Uh, we looked at camp life, and that was all about the wilderness. We focused on the rebellions in the book of Numbers. We, we looked at those in depth. We, we looked at how those could hold up a mirror for us to see our own rebellions even now. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to see that rebellions from, from back then are mirrored in uh, our lives today or can be. And ultimately coming to see that it's imperative for us to remember what God has done for us, uh, who he has shown up as for us, to stay focused on the mission he's given us and, and really be reliant on God for everything. After that, we looked at the tabernacle and looking at the fact that God wanted to dwell and be with his people. So he made a way for that to be a reality. Uh, we also discussed how that was uh, just the beginning and that God, through Jesus, made way for us to be the dwelling place for his spirit. And, and through belief in Jesus, we become the tabernacle, the dwelling place of the spirit of the Most High. Following that, we looked at the priestly anointing. We looked at Christ's priesthood and how that created a, a new class of royal priests, the nation of Israel was called a royal priesthood in Exodus 19.6, and now in Christ's new covenant, the title royal priesthood is reapplied to the church, which means it's reapplied to you. This means that all the sons of glory can serve as priests. In, in Christ, the, the church becomes a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Excuse me. Uh, then was the topic of servant and son. We looked in Isaiah at the servant of the Lord, Jesus, how he showed up to serve and how he did so 
as a son. He didn't show up to be served, but to serve and to do so as a son. His act of service allowed us to be brought into the family and into sonship, which means that that no matter what mission, the mission is that is given to us by God, what you're called to, uh, whatever that is, you are there to serve and uh, you are serving in the authority and power of a son of the most high God. Then we talked about altar and offering and we used Hebrews 9 to be able to understand what Jesus did for us as the ultimate and final offering that atoned for our sins and, and made way for us to enter uh, the presence of God without fear, uh, w- without concern, like they had in the Old Testament, uh, which, which we saw with uh, the tabernacle and, and the, the priests and what they did. There was only the high priest could enter into the presence of God and only do so once a year. But now we have the ability to enter the presence of God without fear in any time. Uh, then we uh, looked at praise and uh, in this, Angie talked about praise and to do so, we have to be after the heart of God, like David uh, being called one after God's own heart. It, it's that's the mark of, of those who make their life a life of praise. And uh, this is illustrated in the birth of Judah. We looked at that uh, seeing uh, Judah's mother, Leah, uh, say this time I will praise the Lord when Judah was born. Instead of of looking at being a victim or or the circumstances that were going on, regardless of any of that, she was going to praise the Lord this time. And so uh, in in that teaching, Angie offered us some questions, and I am going to continue to uh, use these questions every single week in the recap because they are so vitally important for us to look at. Uh, and, And the first one was, what choice will you make in the middle of opposition? Will I praise or will I shrink back? That's what we have to we have to look at in the middle of opposition. Am I going to praise or am I going to shrink back? And as well as what am I doing with my praise? Where where am I placing worth? Am I placing worth on the one who is worthy to be praised, or am I placing it somewhere else? Because regardless of of what we may think, we are placing praise somewhere and always. That's just that's just a fact. We are always placing our praise somewhere. Uh, then was worship, and in Angie's discussion on worship, we started in Isaiah 6, looking at how we must exalt God to the point where we become small. Uh, and what that means is next to the fullness of God uh, and, and his holiness, we should feel small. And, and the question was offered, can you measure the standard of worship by feeling God? Uh, and, and no, you cannot. If we based our level of worship in anything by feeling, we're going to be let down. Worship, it, it, it isn't about us. It, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about God. When, when we worship, we're doing so as a sacrifice. And we have to be reminded that in a sacrifice, there's a burning of flesh. It's not going to always feel good. Again, it's not about us. It has to be all about God. And the questions she offered up in this teaching, again, are are some timeless questions. What am I demanding of myself first in in worship? What am I demanding of myself here? 
Is my source of what Jesus is doing coming from today or coming from the past? Am I living in the old wineskins or am I stepping into the new wineskins of what it is that God has for me? Am I up for great sacrifice? Am I up to be a continually living sacrifice? That's a tough question to answer sometimes. Do I want to remain on the altar at all times and be a continually living sacrifice? giving up what I think might be pleasurable now for what God knows is good for me and, and good for the kingdom and for the body down the road. God wants a pure and spotless sacrifice. Am I going to give him what he's worthy of? If, if the answer is no, then you probably shouldn't show up. Am I going to give him what he's worthy of? It's a great question. And then we talked about prayer. We talked uh, about seeing the power uh, in oneness of corporate prayer and to walk away with a sense that the church, as the church, we are we are one and should be coming together to lift up prayers that, that seek to mobilize and advance the body of Christ and, and setting aside self and, and fleshly personal motives. Remembering that the basis of our approach to God in prayer it's not simply our search for God, but but his gracious initiative uh, in, in establishing covenant with us and, and the promise of help and deliverance on the basis of that covenant. Prayer cannot always be about self. We looked at Jesus over and over again, talking about oneness uh, that he had with the Father and, and wanting that for us. So we should be looking at, at selfless, not selfish prayers. In our prayers of oneness, we're, we're doing away with self and turning our attention and passion towards oneness. Uh, then we got into the seven spirits and in focusing on Isaiah 11 too, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And we started with the, the spirit of the Lord resting upon him and, and looking closely at that because resting upon in the original language meant permanent. It didn't mean that was something that was temporary, temporary, like we knew to be the case in the Old Testament, where the spirit of God would would rest on somebody for uh, a certain event or to to do a certain thing or for a certain time period and then would lift off. This was a permanent thing that was was being uh, talked about here. And we know that Jesus quoted Isaiah 61 in Luke 4 uh, and, and telling the people that that was being fulfilled in their hearing that day. As he read that, this was being fulfilled. It's an amazing thing to look at what he came to do, coming to... Uh, bring good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and, and opening the prison doors of those who are bound, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's a lot of things that he came to do, and, and he's telling them, in that moment, this is fulfilled in your hearing today. That's a pretty big proclamation. Uh, there was... There's to be no separation between us and God, no sense of distance. 
we should be able to come to the Father at any time. This is part of the freedom we have to grab hold of, the access that is in our hands. And we're going to be talking more about access today. After that, there's a spirit of wisdom, and that being the general capacity to have right judgment in all things. Wisdom comes uh, from, from your life experience and, and reflection on that. We looked at Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Purely human wisdom has no ultimate merit on its own. It starts with the fear of the Lord. And this is an interesting thing uh, when we look at Isaiah 11 too, because at the end of this, it talks about the fear of the Lord. So uh, again, we can't take this as, as a list that is, is in some particular order for some particular purpose or reason. You could look at it that way. It could be argued that way. But if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, and wisdom is up front, and then you have fear of the Lord at the end of this list, it's just hard to, to think about things in those terms. We have to come back to the fact that the fear of the Lord needs to be something that we are leading with always. That's always going to put us in the right space. It's always going to put us in the right regard. It's going to bring us to wisdom. It's going to bring us to understanding. It's going to bring us to counsel, to might, to knowledge. It's going to bring us to all these things. And so uh, purely human wisdom it has no ultimate merit on its own. And you can see that in Isaiah 29, 14. The wisdom of God it's, it is to be revealed to the world as a whole through the life and ministry of the church. And Ephesians 3.10 says, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So uh, since wisdom is rooted and grounded in God, true and spiritual wisdom, it's God's gift to us. This is a, a gift to us that we have to take hold of, and we need to be doing so on a daily basis. But we can't do so apart from him. And we can't lay hold to any of these things apart from God. Uh, after that, we moved into the spirit of understanding. Understanding uh, being defined in the dictionary of Bible themes as God-given per perception of the nature and meaning of things resulting in sound judgment and decision-making. So in, in particular, the ability to discern spiritual truth and, and then to apply that uh, to, to our conduct, to our actions. Wisdom and understanding, they do go hand in hand. Understanding is going to allow you to see beyond the wise decisions, to discern between good and evil, to govern well as, as sons of God. And, and we looked up a lot of scripture from the Old Testament and New Testament showing that understanding involves uh, the cognitive, the spiritual, and the moral uh, aspects of humankind. And, and while human efforts are called for, the ability to understand, again, comes from God. And that final test of understanding being, excuse me, being obedience to God. So this week we are going to talk about the spirit of counsel. And I started off asking myself, have I considered the word counsel and what it means? And, and thinking about today, when we hear the word counsel, it likely offers up a picture of, of talking about your problems with, 
with someone called a counselor. This is just generally what we think of today when we talk about counseling, think about counseling, going to see a, a counselor and, and, and talk with, with somebody about our problems. And, and this person's there to listen to your problems and to help you work through them. And there's nothing uh, uh, wrong with going to counseling. So in any way, don't think that that's what I'm trying to, to say uh, uh, today. That's not what I'm talking about here. But I just want to make a distinction about Okay, we, we see this uh, uh, spirit of counsel in Isaiah 11 too. Has that changed through the years since Isaiah spoke his prophecy there and our understanding of counsel today? I would offer uh, that the idea of counsel really remains the same, but broadly used has been turned toward the individual, turned toward self rather than a nation, rather than into oneness. We've become so self-focused that we have lost the bigger picture of oneness and, and what it means to counsel. In our self-focus, we have turned to those that give counsel separate from the counsel of God. And, and I think there's a, a great quote by Andrew Jackson that says, never take counsel of your fears. And so we have to ask, is it, Fear that drives us to seek counsel for problems rather than seeking counsel to make plans to fulfill our God-given mission. I think this is where we, we've kind of taken the idea of counsel and, and if we, we turn it towards self, we lose focus of oneness and we lose focus of getting counsel to make plans to fulfill our God-given mission. Okay, so let's get into definitions and languages here. Uh, in the, the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, counsel is defined as advice, especially on legal matters, uh, such as a lawyer. Uh, in Bible times, a counselor in a king's court was, was like a, uh, a member of the U.S. cabinet today. Uh, a counselor might at times have been in line even possibly to succeed a king. And uh, there are examples of that in scripture. We can look through the Bible and find many examples of counsel that were good and bad and uh, good and bad intentionally so. And, and so that's, that is something you have to take in also is, is what is, what's the motivation behind the counsel that's given? And, and there, there are a lot of different ones. So, all right. Looking at um, counsel in the Hebrew, this uh, uh, word is just the act uh, in the Hebrew de definition of that word, which is ayetza. Uh, it means the act of telling someone what they should do based on a plan or scheme. It, it, it means plan, scheme, or purpose. Uh, to, to think about a course of action, uh, often including consultation with a counselor or advisor. So we're not talking about fixing our problems here when we look at the Hebrew definition of the word counsel here. We're looking at thinking about a course of action. We're, we're looking at including consultation with a counselor or advisor, making plans, looking at schemes or purposes. It's not about, about fixing self. Uh, in the uh, Greek 
from the Septuagint, it was Vule. And I'm not pronouncing that exactly correctly. I know I'm not because I listened to it and <laughs> I couldn't get it. So Vule, that's the closest I could get to it. Again, it's plan, purpose, or a decision. You're looking at uh, at advice, at recommendations uh, of planning to do something, um, you know, or, or to place a plan into action. So uh, again, it's not about fixing problems. This is about counsel towards plans, towards uh, taking action. And uh, in, in the Latin, it was uh, uh, concilium, and that's deliberation, uh, counsel, and plan. Again, th this is more focused on uh, looking at actions that are going to be taken and getting counsel and looking at different courses that you could take uh, in, in an action. Looking at these, we can see that the spirit of counsel is, is going to be there to help with making plans, laying out purposes, and aiding in decision-making through helping you think about a course of action. All right, so that gets us through the languages and it helps us understand the idea of how, when we look at counsel today, how is it focused? Is it focused towards self or is it focused uh, uh, on a, a bigger picture? And, and the word we use here in Unedited Life is oneness. And so we want to be want to be making sure we understand these things. And that's why I'm going through this in the, the different languages. So we have an idea of what is meant when we're reading uh, Isaiah 11.2 and, and the spirit of counsel. What is that bringing uh, to, to Jesus? Because we know this is a messianic prophecy here. What is it bringing to him and ultimately to, to us with the indwelling Holy Spirit? So that's why we go through these things, just to have that understanding. So looking at counsel in the Old Testament is a wise person would seek counsel when making plans. Uh, and we're going to get to the difference here in, in what, in, in, in parsing this out between Okay, uh, we know wise people will seek counsel. However, uh, a, a truly wise person of God is going to seek the right counsel. Okay, so we know that without counsel, plans can go wrong, and and with advisors, they they succeed. Uh, Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, uh, "Without counsel, uh, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed." Right, so. Uh, you can have counselors that are our parents. You can have uh, older people with a lot of life experience that can be uh, counselors. You can have uh, uh, prophets. We see that in scripture as counselors or, or wise people who um, were, were given wisdom by God to, to be able to perform uh, the task of giving counsel to, to a king or someone in charge. And we know that that some counselors were evil and and giving deceitful advice. We know that. Um, and you can find examples of that in scripture. So, you know, according to the Bible, God also counsels himself. He, he frustrates the counsel of uh, the nations who oppose him. You can see that in Psalm 33. 
but his own counsel endures for, for many generations, also found in Psalm 33. You can look at Psalm 33, 10 and 11 to, to see that. And, and we know that no one counsels the Lord. His, uh, the Messiah, he was called the wonderful counselor in Isaiah 9. Counsel in the Old Testament was focused on the kings. Uh, we can find evidence throughout the Old Testament that counselors were in, in every nation and operated in different ways. You can see that uh, in uh, Babylon. You can see that in Egypt. You can see it in, in Israel, in all of the nations that were counselors. And we can find throughout the Old Testament that the counselors were there. They were, they were everywhere. So whether the counselors were simply wise people or they were accessing the unseen realm in a way disconnected or connected uh, to Yahweh, they were functioning in giving advice. It's, it's interesting how the kings that came after Solomon missed the fact that they had access just like he did, but they failed to heed counsel from the right source. These kings, that it was counted to them as, as not having done right in the sight of God, listened to the advisors that only carry good news to bring pleasure to the king. And, and we can see where this got them. It didn't get them to a good place. I want to jump over to uh, Job 42. And we are going to read the first six verses of that. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Even with the insistence by many scholars of the date when the book of Job was written, uh, and that's in the 6th century BC, the people would have had this written before Jesus was born. They would have known about this. They, they would have known about this scripture right here. Hundreds of years to be able to examine this verse. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? And then be able to ask the question, where are we deriving our counsel from? In that second temple period, it looks as if there was, was no update to the definition of an Old Testament counselor that served to advise the king on such matters as national defense and plans of, for war. The leaders from Israel do not appear here to have consulted God for counsel in the practice of setting tradition and law. I, I know that there's argument to the contrary, but when we apply the motivation of control leading to the preservation of, of power, we can see that the counsel sought was in uh, observing the world and applying their ways as a form of counsel. The original intent of these, these people may have been pure. And, and we talked about this recently. Angie talked about this recently. 
people don't set out in their their journey to fulfill the call of God with evil intentions. That is, I, I won't say that's always the case, but by and large, we know that original intent is pure. And and these people that we're talking about here in that second temple period, their original intent may have been pure. They may not have sought to control for the preservation of, of power in the beginning, but at some point it shifted. Law and tradition began to support control of the people rather than making way to connect with God. A look through the Old Testament will show you how counsel can be uh, wrestled from God's hand and twisted because uh, the creature, us, steps into selfish desires and loses sight on uh, perspective, uh, uh, loses sight and perspective of oneness. Oneness with God and oneness with the people being served. When we look into the New Testament, in the writings of John, the the real theological significance of the usage usage of counselor, it starts to come to the forefront. The ascended Christ is seen as a counselor or advocate in God's heavenly court. Look at 1 John 2.1. It says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So we, we see right there, we have a counsel. We have an advocate in God's court already for us. The, the resurrected and exalted Christ sent the Holy Spirit to us and and to all of his people. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Incredibly. We know that once Jesus ascended, the disciples stayed in the upper room until the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. And so we know that the resurrected Christ sent the Holy Spirit to all of his followers, to all of the believers, to bring to reality the, the presence of Jesus and reveal him, not just to the disciples, but to all of us. The term counselor in, in translation, uh, when, when we're looking in the New Testament in the Greek, is parakletos. And again, the pronunciation might be a little off there. But that was a favorite expression of John. The, the interesting thing about this word is that it, it designates a function rather than the nature of something. So the function of parakletos is, is to counsel, assist, uh, advise, or uh, support. The, the coming of the Spirit as counselor marks a new stage in redemptive history. The Spirit is called another paraclete because he comes to continue the ministry of Jesus, which we know is universal. John 15, 26 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He's, he's coming to continue the ministry of Jesus. While being other than Jesus, the Spirit 
uh, dwells in us, the followers of Jesus, just like Jesus dwelt among and, and with believers in his time. The counselor, the spirit of truth teaches and reminds believers regarding the things of Jesus. This teaching and, and this reminding uh, are done in close connection with Jesus, just as Jesus had carried out his mission in conjunction with the Father. The paraclete leads believers into all truth and presents this truth in the light of the resurrection. The spirit who defended the disciples is the, the defender of the truth about Jesus. All right, we can see that in Mark 13, 11. It says, and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So uh, the, the Spirit is there to, to defend. Holy Spirit, the, the counselor and, and comforter, does not leave the disciples desolate. He doesn't leave us desolate, but represents Jesus to us. To experience the counselor is to experience Jesus. Uh, let's let's jump over to John 14. I'm going to start in verse 15. Then we're going to read through 28. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells within you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in the father and you and me. And I in you, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home within him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your, your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. We cannot know Jesus unless enabled by the Spirit, by Holy Spirit, the paraclete. We cannot know the counselor by any means other than belief in and submission to Jesus Christ. 
going through a lot. That, that is, a, is a lot that we've gone through. And, and, and you might even be asking yourself, so what? Why should I care about all of this? You, you may even be thinking, convince me that I should care about all this, that, that, that I should care what you've gone through in the languages with, with looking at counsel in the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Convince me that I should care. Well, to that, I would offer up a, a couple of sayings, and they may sound somewhat cliche to some, uh, but the first one being you're the average of uh, the five people you spend the most time with. And there's also show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I don't bring these ideas up to convince you that you are the average of the people you spend the most time with or that your future looks like your friends of today. I bring it up as an invitation to audit uh, those that you receive counsel from. We do look to those that are closest to us for counsel, also known as advice, on a wide variety of topics. I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I'm not saying that uh, trying to condemn anyone if Holy Spirit isn't the first consult that you solicit. What I am trying to convince you to do is examine closely the spirit behind the counsel that you receive. When you start to look at counsel in this manner, it brings new perspective to being the average of the people you spend the most time with. It brings new focus to your future based on your friends of today. I'm not suggesting malicious intent on the part of anyone you share oneness with. What I'm suggesting is that a, a lack of testing the counsel we receive and a lack of accountability with one another for the counsel given. This is why you should care. You are not doing life in a vacuum. You're doing life as believers in one body, the body of Christ. The counsel we give and receive should be saturated by the spirit of counsel that rests permanently in us as believers. Therefore, the people you surround yourself with should be completely connected to Holy Spirit in ongoing daily relationship and be submitted to accountability in oneness. Uh, Warren uh, Wearsby, and I know I'm not saying that right, he was a, a pastor who uh, died, I believe, in 2019. Uh, he said the word translated counsel is related to the verb to steer a ship. Counsel is wise guidance that moves one's life in the right direction. When we think about counsel, we need to be thinking about the advice we are given for the plans we are looking to implement with respect to the mission given to us by God. We are, are charged with making disciples of the nations. Whatever your mission is, it is in support of that, which means the idea of counsel is, is counseling of the individual for the betterment. It, it isn't counseling for the individual as betterment alone of that individual. That, that's, that's a twisted idea. We as the body of Christ must start thinking as, as one. What is our singular mission as that body? We can't allow petty arguments that mean nothing in light of the truth that Jesus came to us uh, uh, as us. We, we can't allow those petty arguments to, to get between us. 
he endured every trial that we face and more, ultimately fulfilling his mission from before the foundations of the world. He went to the cross, he died and was resurrected, making way for us to be recipients of the indwelling spirit of God that never fails to bring good counsel. Counsel that we get to share in oneness and we get to share with the world. I want to, I want to read Proverbs 8 to you. It's kind of long. But when we read it, I really want us to be thinking about it holistically and not just picking out verses here and there. I want us to see the life that it takes on in us when we think about it. All right, Proverbs 8 says, Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule, and nobles all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me, and filling their treasures excuse me, and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work and first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made the made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limits, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, 
And I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside the doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. This is the access that you have. You have access to this to this wisdom, to this understanding, to this counsel. I wanted to bring to mind something from the word for 2023 as an organization, uh, Unedited Life was given a word for 2023. And part of that said, I am, I am building in this season, laying a foundation in your minds and your hearts, a work that will translate within my footstool. Keep perspective of me, who I am, qualify me with every step, remember my majestic ways and, and recognize my, excuse me, recognize my moods and mannerisms and memorize my facial expressions. I am shaping your praise, forming your intercession and writing your message. Draw close and get in on the action. As you break through into the new year, keep perspective as your companion. Wear your all access pass around your neck and know that you belong in our house. This is, this is access. We have that all access pass given to us through what Jesus did on the cross. We have access to uh, uh, the wisdom of old and, and contemporary wisdom for today. And so the, my question is, is, are you wearing your all access pass? Are you asking for counsel each day? Are you being intentional in the decisions you make in the plans you are about to, to take action on? If you aren't going to Holy Spirit for counsel, then, then I would submit your intentionality in decision-making is lacking. So my challenge to you this week is to ask Holy Spirit every single day, what counsel do you have for me today? What counsel do you have for me today? That is the question you need to be asking Holy Spirit on a daily basis. In addition to that, because you're looking at a big, big picture there, where you're asking, what counsel do you have for me today? Well, in, in addition to that, throughout each day, when you have a decision to make, ask Holy Spirit for counsel in making that decision. And I do mean every single decision, no matter if you believe it's a trivial matter or not, do it anyways. And with that, observe how you change based on asking and following the counsel of Holy Spirit. You, you can ask for the counsel and, and he will give it to you, but will you follow it? Will you actually follow it? And in every decision you have to make, ask for counsel and observe how you change 
based on asking for that, that counsel. Father, I thank you so much for the access that you have given us. I thank you that we, we have access to, to the spirit of counsel. That we can we have an all access pass to to dive into wisdom and, and and have understanding brought to us, have counsel brought to us. It's an amazing thing that you've made way for us to to be able to enter into, to be indwelt with. Thank you that when we, we come looking for counsel, you're there quick to give it. And stir us to be quick, to be obedient to that counsel. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope this was uh, um, something that is, is useful for you and being able to look at what it is you have access to and be able to to take that into your daily life. All right. Love you all. Have a great week.